who constructed it and what it was all about. It refers back to these large giant type beings that have larger heads, right? So likely the elongated skulls. We're talking about really creepy tunnels down there in the hypogeum. How did she, and so how did she know? I mean, how, how did, like, this is a very strange thing to say if it's not an honest, this is what happened and this is what was said to me type of story. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, it, basically Mifsud is uncovering a conspiracy here is what we're, actually he's at the forefront of it. He's creating it. What's not nuts about this is a lot of times our archaeologists always want to find some type of spiritual meaning behind something. Right. They always want to say, oh, this was the height of some civilization and it's at the top of this hill or whatever. So this is how they were venerating the gods of their time, etc., etc. But the first and foremost thing of a, of a species is eat. Cover-ups, lies and corruption, elongated skulls and giants. What really happened in Malta's Hal Safliani hypogeum during ages long past? The head of the prehistoric society of Malta, Anton Mifsud, wrote a dossier in 2016 debunking naysayers and exposing lies he implied were deliberately inserted into mainstream archaeology. Hear my investigative research into the elongated skulled people reported by National Geographic in the 1920s and the chambers and bones unfamiliar to our age reported in 1940. Discover John Vivanco's remote viewing data on sonic levitation, how the Hypogeum's oracle room was used, what the tunnels and structures around Gigantia were originally used for, and a giant history nobody else seems to be exposing. Join John and me, Rob Counts, for a metaphysical show that's out of this world. And if you're listening to the Metaphysical Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere, leave us a five-star rating and review to help us reach even more people. It really helps. Remember, you got to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook to keep up to date with the next one, so don't miss it. John, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited for this one. This is yep. going to be interesting. Yeah, a, a nice little episode here on uh, on elongated skulls yeah. and uh, the mystery around those, especially those that were found on the island of Malta um, in their vast series of underground tunnels and specifically the Hal uh, Safliani hypogeum. For those of you at home listening, this is the Metaphysical Podcast, and we've got a crazy show for you guys today. I actually think the title of this episode really sums up what we're going to be talking about today. Cover-ups, lies, and corruption, elongated skulls and giants. What happened in the hypogeum? I mean, you could you could pretty much remove elongated skulls and giants and put everything in there. Everything else in there. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lies, corruption in brackets. And not only that, but like the, I mean, the, the most interesting thing, I guess you could say in terms of keywords probably are elongated skulls and giants, but they found some weird stuff in the hypogeum. I mean, we're talking about piles and piles and piles of bones. Um, when it was first reported, you know, we're talking about like an estimated 30,000, I mean, I guess individual skeletons, which is right. an enormous amount of bones. And coming from multiple sources, 
multiple, multiple sources. sources and denied today by one central authority. Yes. And um, it, it, this number, this 30,000 number goes down slowly over time to six or 7,000 and then again down to 200. And now we're we're dealing with like six or seven skeletons that we can publicly view, right. which I mean, really kind of makes no sense, right? Like, like, regardless of what your stance is on conspiracy theories at all, why only allow us to see six of these skeletons if there's nothing to hide, you know? Right, right. I mean, we need, we need Jaime Massan and Mexican Congress here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Name dropping. Do you want yeah. to tell everyone who that is? Oh, Jaime Massan is a... A Mexican uh, UFO researcher, alien researcher, and if you haven't, well, been living under a rock, just about a month ago, I think it was, or I don't know how long ago it was. It was re very recent. He presented before the Mexican Congress alien mummies, so dug them up, and uh, yeah. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. Whether the you know we haven't remote viewed those mummies, but. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, so I don't know if they're real or not, but I thought it was interesting that he is before the Mexican Congress revealing these things. Well, I thought yeah. it was very strange, man. It is, a, it is a bit strange. Like, why did they give him an audience? Was it because of the whistleblowers that recently just came out, I wonder? I mean, a I lot mean, of- It has to be, right? It has to be. I Grush, you know, Grush. I mean, I remember, I think there was a meme about it that basically said, I'm, Congress said, no, nobody's going to be convinced here unless you dump an alien body on the table, right? And then Jaime Massan is like, hold my beer, right? <laughs> he goes and he does it. Hold my yeah. Dos Equis is what he said. <laughs> hold my Dos Equis, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so the first thing we should probably hit here uh, is this National Geographic article from 1940. Uh, that we keep referencing throughout this series. If you guys have not seen the previous episodes in this series about Malta, I highly recommend you going back and watching. It's going to give you all of the updated information as to where we are right now in this larger story that's totally nuts. Um, this 1940 article has an interesting quote in it. It says, One of the chambers opens to the outside through a long shaft into which snakes and wild animals fell to their death. It is still littered with bones and tusks unfamiliar to our age. This is alluding to some really inconvenient data that I think right. archaeologists now would be squirming in their seats about. You know, what does that mean? Tusks that are that are unfamiliar to our age. Are we talking about mammoths? Are we talking yeah. about or I mean, extinct species. And yeah, maybe, what maybe extinct species has tusks that is unfamiliar to our age. You know, I mean, we're you got the mammoth at the very least, but we do know that you know Neolithic. I guess it's Neolithic man was was hunting, eating right. mammoth in general. We do know that they know that, but beyond those, what else was there? I mean, why wouldn't they also specify? Like, what bones and tusks were they from? Is it too astounding? Is it too strange? Yeah. Well, mammoths were massive. I mean, what, would, were the effective, the, what, what would the effectiveness be of Neolithic man trying to hunt one of those when their spears are tiny 
and the hide on a woolly mammoth is so thick. Is there another explanation for how these woolly mammoths were being hunted? You know, well, and, you know, the, the, the big problem here is that you've, you've got. OK, so they say that there are bones in there of animals that are extinct, basically what they're saying. So they're they seem to be, you know, maybe alluding to dinosaurs ultimately. But but OK, so if man back then, humans back then were able to construct this big pit with with basically a funnel going in they wouldn't need spears you know they just drop in but see they're they're they don't want to focus on this because the the hypogeum this hypogeum is 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 too complicated structurally to for them to even begin to think that these early humans could create something like this right so they stay away from it but it would be a very well an easier way i mean it's like driving animals off of a cliff you know yeah, uh, you drive them into a hole that you dug in the ground, right? But the problem here, you know, it's just way too complicated of a structure that they would not give credit to those people in the first place for building it. Which makes sense. I mean, look at this thing. How is Neolithic yeah. man going to carve this? From their out perspective, of right. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think it is more likely than not Neolithic man came upon this call it what you want. I don't even like using the word Neolithic because I feel like it's yeah. inaccurate, but for the purposes early, of this, early, early humans, I don't yeah, know. early humans find this, they, they stumble upon it and they're like, well, that's a pretty deep hole. I think we can create some traps, you know, and, uh, and get, get some animals down there and then probably, and, or it's a massive space down there. They need a place to chuck the bones when they're done eating. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I mean, with all those bones down there, it, it makes for a very toxic environment. All the all the waste decomposing flesh. Well, yeah, I mean, that okay. makes for a highly toxic environment. You, you don't you don't go into a cave where there's dead things because of the fumes, the the decomposition. Um, You're right. I mean, in fact, OK, so there's this one cave in Russia. It goes down. It's like seven or eight thousand feet. It goes like straight down. And and you you have to spend it's like climbing mount everest where you have to spend um periods of time at these base camps in the cave because it goes down and you rappel down further and further and further somebody went down into it pretty deep into it alone and they couldn't get back out so their corpse was rotting in there they had to wait until that corpse was done rotting before they can go down and retrieve it because of the toxic fumes that it was creating in the cave system. Now, what I find really interesting about what you just said is there we're talking about highly toxic fumes if they're throwing rotting flesh down there. OK, but the hypogeum, the paint, the paintings that are on the ceilings of the hypogeum would have been ruined. They would have if if there was flesh on those bones because of the gases and things um, that you're just mentioning. So by all accounts, it would seem that if that if the paint, the red ochre that's on the ceiling in some of these photos that we've seen is still there, then it would mean that these bones were thrown down there after the flesh had been eaten off of them, yeah. which basically backs up a previous theory <laughs> in these episodes that John was telling us that there were beings that were eating humans. And that is what Gigantia 
actually is. I highly recommend going back and watching. I think it was our last episode where we discussed this. Yeah, basically, we're looking at some holding pens. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nuts. It's, it's they're the, they're the little holding pens for for humans. She, she, you know what though? Yeah, we talked about this in that episode. What's not nuts about this is a lot of times our archaeologists always want to find some type of spiritual meaning behind something. They always want to say, oh, this was the height of some civilization and it's at the top of this hill or whatever. So this is how they were venerating the gods of their time, et cetera, et cetera. But the first and foremost thing of a, of a species is eat. I must eat in order to survive. So if you're going to build something to hold food, Makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. gosh, they look like holding pens. They do. I mean, now that yeah. you pointed it out, it's creepy. I mean, you know, and they're 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 thick earthen made above the ground. I have no idea what was on top of it. Um, they could have Stone. had more yeah. stones on top of it or something. I have no idea. Or not. Um, I mean, or not. Graham Hancock is trying to tell us that this thing was built up like some type of temple, but it may have only gone to a certain height so that you couldn't get out. We don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, they had giants walking around on the outside. Who knows? Easy to see a human crawling out of that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, down in this in this hole where they're where they're finding all of these bones, they're finding elongated skulls down there. And now you, these elongated skulls have n- none of the stitching that a normal skull has. I believe that's called is it called satchel? Sagittal, the sagittal crest, the sagittal stitch, right? The sagittal stitch. Right. When our our hmm. skull grows together, it forms these uh, 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 wavy line. Looks like a a stitch. Yeah, and these elongated skulls that they found down there did not have this stitch, which would, uh, I mean, were those humans? All humans have this. I mean, an elongated skull that doesn't have this. I mean, that would be similar to the ones they found in in Egypt, in Peru, right? And there's these bones down there that have elongated skulls. Right. I mean, they, we, so, it, you know, in the past, we've looked at some of these elongated skulls that have come out of Peru. Yeah. And, and some of them clearly were um, uh, for boarding purposes. They were boarding their heads. But, you know, the question is raised, why? Why? Why would you do that to your head? Right? I mean, so so this goes into this whole other world of why they did it, which is related to Malta. Right. <clears throat> and I mean, in Egypt, like we're we see these pharaohs that have this strange skull, right? And if there is a pharaoh or a, you know, half God, what they're calling it, that they're worshiping, they're going to try to look like that as well. Uh, look at the one on the on the left there. I mean, really, that looks like a gray alien. It does entirely or a hybrid of some sort. I yeah. believe this is of Akhenaten or this is King Tut, his son. Yeah, my parents tried to board my head when I was little, but, you know, I kept just I, I fussed with it too much. Why don't we do that anymore? When are we going to get back to boarding heads? I mean, come on. Um, I think it's like wigs. It went the way of wigs. Yeah. Men used to wear wigs. Hopefully Let's bring never. boarding heads back. 
Yeah. That would be, yeah. I would not want to see that. They must start young, though, when you're a baby, so it grows that way, right? Because it's yeah, easier. Yeah, that's what you have to do. I'm actually surprised. I'm surprised the Royals don't do that. Now, you mean? or Now, yeah, now. So, you know, some of the contention around the fines in Malta um, are really interesting. The guy who's the head of the prehistoric society there, Anton Misfoot, he was featured in Graham Hancock's Ancient Apocalypse when he goes to Malta to look closer at Gigantia. And there is a dossier from 2016 that Musfud published. And this thing is, I mean, to be quite honest, we could have an entire show just on this dossier. It or more. He exposes a lot of the corruption that seems to be in the scientific community that no one is recognizing. And his findings were actually quite scary. And he has been attacked publicly. Um, His character has been attacked and nearly assassinated. He's been left out of really important uh, discussions because of the stuff that he's exposed, that some of these people that are the heads of these organizations, be it the British, uh, the British society or whatever it is, um, he's trying to expose them. And uh, he makes really, really interesting cases in this dossier. Now, this dossier is published on Graham Hancock's website and then also on more academic sites where you can actually get access to it. You can get access to it and you can read it, which is good that it's there. Uh, But publicly, it's not really um, accepted. Yeah, and he's most of the most of the discussion revolves around the bones and specifically the teeth that were found in some of these underground temples um, on Malta. Mifsud basically and other archaeologists um, determined that these molars, through their own testing, novel means of testing, were Neanderthal man, old Neanderthal man, down in a constructed cave, a very highly constructed cave. And so, so it becomes a question of why were they there? How did they get there? Nobody even wants to admit that Neanderthal man could build one of these things from, from, the, from the outset. So then the, the, the powers that be, the mainstream archaeologists, took it out of his hands. He kept saying, you know, I, I will test these. I can test these. And so they said, no, they didn't want this to happen because his data is so different than what they want to put out there because it raises way too many questions. So it really becomes this maze of, of him chasing them and them putting him off and releasing other information. Okay, so these molars are called torodonts. I believe that's how it's pronounced. And the now the finding of these molars pushed back the presence of man on the island back. I mean, we're talking about several tens of millennia. And so now we've got now we've got this like strange recipe here for all kinds of new 
like this would change so much of an already established narratives by the scientific community, you know, and it's very inconvenient for the foundation that's already been laid. We have, so we have, we have ne like Neanderthal man teeth found it's accepted by the from when it was found to around 1964 it's accepted for decades that this is neanderthal man there was some nitrogen they found this this way to date teeth or to date bones this nitrogen test and these were carried out in oxford in 1952 and 1955 um through the intervention of a guy named kenneth page oakley of the Natural History Museum of London. And then in 1964, everyone widely accepts all of this. Meanwhile, all of these archaeologists are being like, hey, hold up. No, um, that's actually, this is actually Neanderthal man. And here it is for all of these reasons. And they're just conveniently not looking at any of those other professionals or those experts opinion on it. And it's just accepted that this is now not Neanderthal man, that we've got you know, th these are Neolithic men, which are only about, you know, 5,000 BC, if that, right? And, right. but there's so much evidence here of bizarre corruption that doesn't make sense, where if they find these teeth in another place in the world where this foundation is conveniently already established, they won't even go through half of the things that Miss Foot was trying to go through to confirm Neanderthal man was here. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. It's not even that big of a deal, dude. Think about it. It's like, well, if the water came down 400 feet, Sicily and Malta are connected. You found some of this stuff in Sicily. Hey, it makes sense, right? Right, exactly. I mean, if any of the stuff was found on the surface, hey, no big deal. We can release it to the public. But it's it, it becomes a problem on where they found it. It does, yeah. And now, see, here's some more interesting stuff. In 1865, hippo remains were found and other carbonized mammals. Quote, humans inside the cavern had actually cooked and eaten hippopotamus meat and had then split the bones open to extract the marrow for consumption. So, first of all, Neanderthal men hunting a hippopotamus is pretty amazing because hippopotamus are some of the most dangerous animals on the planet. They're, they're big very easy to die that way, right? So what had killed this hippopotamus too is is another question, right? Yeah. But this is this is fairly advanced if it if they're eating the marrow too. They're splitting the bone open and eating the marrow. Yeah, I mean this is this is it, basically Mifsud is uncovering a conspiracy here. Is what we're actually he's at the forefront of it. He's creating it. He's not creating it. He's he's causing it to happen by their reaction against his and other archaeologists' data. So that's oh, man, what's this, so interesting about this. Look at this image that Lindsay pulled up from from Egypt. We have a giant human with a spear, and then we have smaller humans on the same. Um, I don't know if that's a raft or a. a it does. It looks like a raft, and it's trying. It's like being dragged by the hippotamus. But what's so strange about this image is this is sort of like what I what I see happening potentially in in Malta. If right. if these if the hypogeum was in fact 
created by a race of giants, it would be much more likely that a giant is hunting and killing this than one of these like dumbass Neanderthal men, you know? Right. Not that it would be yeah. possible. No, I mean, that's a know. good point. That's a good point. And that's a really, really interesting illustration there. Well, and, and back to the teeth. Now, this is also from the dossier. Listen to this. In order to identify a Neanderthal, the standard and established method is through anatomical examination of the right. skeleton, not these tests. You can look at the molar and you know whether it's a Neanderthal molar or not, which is what Misfoot is saying, right? The early reconstructions of Neanderthal man were carried out on an elderly man with severe arthritis, thus misleading the anthropologists of the 19th century to envisage him as a bent-kneed, shuffling individual of subhuman appearance and mentality. That's massive corruption. Yeah. Massive corruption. This is why they don't like Misfood. Right. Okay. In the unlikely event of meeting up with a live Neanderthal, the prominent features would be a large face with a broad nasal aperture, suggesting that he had a large flattened nose, a stout but chinless jaw, and big teeth arranged in a horseshoe-shaped arcade. He was muscular and rather short. The diagnostic part of the skeleton is the skull, which was rather different from that of modern humans. The frontal region was flattened, the brow ridges were more prominent than modern humans, and the occipital region at the very back of the head was expanded into a bun-like swelling. Oh, that's interesting. Skull, dude. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's interesting. That's a long-headed skull. Totally elongated skull, right there. Wow. I mean, yeah. It's now, you guys. This dossier is very long. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but we highlighted a few of the points related to the hypogeum because. It was to basically explain how uh, con how much contention rev is revolved around the findings of the hypogeum itself. Like, why are they playing these games there when you've got guys that know what they what they're doing throughout history? I mean, I don't think Zamet was a bad guy. Themistocles Zamet, who replaced Magri which we talked about in our last episode. I do think this guy was like in a good archaeologist. He was waiting to see what McGree found and those findings never came forth because they were they were they died with McGree basically. <clears throat> so it's it's unclear what what would have happened if those findings were actually published. And I mean, it looks like they handled it before. Uh, before. Yeah, it does. It does look like they did. Yeah. Uh, the precedent had been set. Now, you know, all of these elongated skulls that were originally there, there are only about, I think, six now that that they're actually showing. Um, and they're not like. They're not the ones that seem to have been discussed early on uh, that were more like the Peruvian or the Egyptian skulls. You can find these um, these skulls very easily by kind of researching um, the mystery of Malta's long-headed skulls. There is an article about that. Um, and they show some of these skulls. They look more like human skulls. Now, the National Geographic, there was a 1920 article that we looked through 
And the article points out some interesting things. It says the extent of some of the prehistoric buildings and the wonderful skill displayed in their erection show that man had reached a high state of knowledge even in the far off days of BC 5000. Which, come on, that's not accepted now, really. From an examination of the skeletons of the polished Stone Age, it appears that the early inhabitants of Malta were a race of long-skulled people of lower-medium height, akin to the early people of Egypt who spread westward along the north coast of Africa, whence some went to Malta and Sicily and others to Sardinia and Spain. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is where you get into um, the, uh, the priest. What was his name again? Manuel Muggery. Yeah, the priest that drew up the research paper doing the archaeology, first archaeology modern day on the site and, and what he had discovered and knowing the lore because he was very into lore, not, you know, literally not just about of Malta, but how this type of lore spreads throughout uh, the world. And so, you know, references to this go back, and I'm sure that's what he knew. He knew of Egyptian references because one of those things that he was trying to understand were, were the Egyptians here? You know, I mean, you go through all of these questions and the only thing you can look at is what, well, people call so-called lore these days or mythology. <clears throat> it's like mythology coming alive. And again, like we have evidence that the Egyptians were somehow there because the, the seamen of Malta put the eye of Horus on their ship. Right. Why do that? Unless it was passed down through the centuries. It was the Egyptians that did that. Right. Well, you know, I mean, we, we, there's, there's even, we can call it evidence of Egyptians being in the Americas. You know, there's, there's in the Southwest of the United States, for instance, uh, I have seen, what look like and other people have seen and photographed what look like um, hieroglyphs, Egyptian hieroglyphs. Then we have um, in Australia, what was that place we went to in Australia? Gosh, I can't Gosford, remember. Gosford, the Gosford glyphs. The Gosford right. glyphs. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that was fascinating looking at that, right? I mean, here you had two like it was just we're in between these two massive stones and on each side were these very deep carvings that look like that were clearly egyptian hieroglyphs now some of them appeared to be brand new while others were old and faded and that's actually what we found in the data so yeah you know it's like that stuff was done some stuff was done a very long time ago very very long time ago by egyptians others present day to whatever kind of just mess with people's heads on the whole situation. Yeah. So, yeah, they were around the world. They were, they were traveling the world. Well, you know, uh, speaking of messing with people's heads, I found an article that is going to mess with a lot of people's heads. I think, um, do you remember the Congresswoman Bettina Rodriguez Aguilera? She was running for Congress, and when she was running for Congress, a old interview had gotten dug up that she had given where someone asked her about an experience she had when she was younger. Miss Rodriguez claims to have had an alien encounter, 
And what's really strange is in this encounter, she was told several things. Now, I want to preface what I'm about to tell everybody at home with this. I have been researching weird stuff for the last four or five years, and I hadn't even hit Malta yet. Like Malta, this, what you and I are going through right now, I hadn't even hit. I heard a couple of things. Actually, if anything, I probably would have hit the Knights of Malta before I even started looking at the structures. You know, I wasn't really into a megalith, into megalithic sites as much as other people, but studying megalithic sites, I mean, one of the reasons people like listening to guys like Graham Hancock is because he's doing all of that work and then he's telling us what he finds and we're kind of along on the journey right? Um, having previous knowledge about Malta, about what's on Malta is not very common unless you're, you're actually studying those things or reading those things on purpose. Right. Now, the messages that uh, Miss Aguilera, Rodriguez Aguilera got <clears throat> were several, about four, we can sum it up to like four bullet points that are really actually pretty fascinating. The first is there are 30,000 skulls different from humans in a cave in the Mediterranean island of Malta. Boom. Like, very clearly. This is one of the messages she gets in her alien encounter. Okay, number That's two. crazy. Totally crazy. Number two. <laughs> Africa contains the world's energy center, which we'll get into in a second how nuts that is. Okay, number three. This is totally crazy. The Coral Castle, a limestone tourist attraction in South Miami Dade, is an ancient Egyptian pyramid. And number four, God is a universal energy. Now, the, this is what she's reporting that she got, okay? That is really wild. I mean, wh wh why? Like, what? Is she currently a congresswoman now? Is she, no, is she, she in Congress? She didn't, after, she didn't get elected. After the, the, this article, this was like a hit piece that got written about her. After it was exposed that she had had an alien encounter, I think it just didn't do well for her. Right. Uh, okay. You know, her, her campaign. Right. Right. So that's really interesting, actually, about the Coral Castle uh, thing. You know, when we had remote viewed how it was built, because Edward Leed Scalnan built it, and right. he was just this old immigrant. Um, built it a long time ago, and he had claims of sonic, I think, a sound levitation, which which we saw, but it was more than that. Now, I don't doubt for a second that there is Something some type there. of pyramid situation going on down in that area, because you're looking at... Um, one of the potential places for Atlantis and things have been found underwater all over that area. So, you know, there could be absolutely could be remnants, could be remnants. Very interesting. That's crazy. So what is this about the Africa energy center? Okay. Well, well, I haven't heard of that. Have you ever heard of, uh, the Gabon Republic in, in Africa? Yeah. The Gabon Republic. Yep. Heard of that. So in the Gabon Republic, they found a four billion year old nuclear power plant that How come I have baffled. <laughs> yeah, it baffled scientists. They they went and they started studying it. And then now I need you to understand how nuts this is. 
because this is just as nuts as the stuff that Misfood was putting in his dossier. Scientists go there, they're looking at uranium in this mine, and the uranium has been extracted hmm. and utilized. Which means like, and then they, then after studying it for a while, they were like, this doesn't make any sense. It's 4 billion years old. It must be a natural nuclear power plant. That's when strange. have you ever heard of a natural power plant? Dude? Like you would need something, someone facilitating the utilization of said uranium. Right. Because we're talking about heats and, and energy that would need tampering by some type of being or race or whatever it is. doesn't even right. matter if it's human or not. Right. But the right. fact that how, again, that's so specific, that information, like where did she get that information? How right. would she be aware that the Gabon Republic in Africa even has that? And was she even referring to this? Maybe there are other things in Africa that I'm not even aware of. Well, Africa is interesting when it comes to um, black projects. It's a little bit like Puerto Rico. Like uh, Puerto Rico is, is like there are labs in the jungles of Puerto Rico run by black projects for uh, basically it's creating boring. hybrids of things. You know, the chupacabra comes out of that stuff, right? <laughs> we got to do an episode on that. Yeah, we, we do. We do. It's like actually you also have Africa, which is a place for high technology experimentation where the the whole Chani project comes out of that, which the Chani project was this super secret super collider right. in Africa. And they were able to communicate with a person subject being on uh, from another realm, another dimension. And then they, that was made public. Now, you know, you, when this stuff comes out on the internet, <laughs> I get a, uh, you, you don't know if it's true or not, right? You just don't. It's But some of these projects actually where they have astounding and strange things happen, they will leak this out to the public in specific ways in order to see how the public responds to it. So, so one thing that we know is that Africa is full of a lot of very strange, high technology, black project work. And well, could be could be anything. But we also know at the same time that we find alien species which there are, I'm convinced there are tons of them here, even masquerading as humans, um, who are mining, who, are, who need stuff, right? Who, who we, we find them around nuclear power plants, right? UFO, nuclear power plants, because of that nuclear energy signature. I mean, there are so many levels and variations to the signature of nuclear energy that they utilize somehow. So of course, yeah, they, if, if it were aliens doing it, you know, they would definitely be mining uh, uranium or whatnot. They go after all sorts of things. We found like they were really interested in this one area that had, um, this was in the San Diego area, of black tourmaline. Right, they were very interested in in, in mining black tourmaline, right? Because it, it, this mountain was full of it. We we're like, why are they mining black tourmaline? Why are they doing this? A lot of UFO sightings over the area. Remote view, why they're there? They're going after this black tourmaline, and for for whatever reason, this black tourmaline, the 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 mineral, the the, the composition of it is important for a specific type of functioning of their engines of some sort, anti-gravity propulsion systems. So there's a lot of this stuff going on. It's just 
beyond our senses. You know, I often think of this. If you're a black ops organization and you need to create, you know, you need a place to hide a massive scientific or black ops operation, what would be the easiest place in the world to hide that? Right. I mean, there's a few places that come to mind and Africa, the massive content of Africa that we're being told is just this like undeveloped, like basically, you know, wasteland. There's nothing right. there. It'd be so easy to get in there and just set up shop somewhere. Why not? Right. right. I mean, they do it from a medical standpoint. Because yeah. they don't think of them as being humans. And they feel they can do whatever they want to them, which is do tests on people utterly, totally wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, then, I mean, the whole continent of Africa is literally these, I don't know who they are. Um, obviously, like they're the elite, elite, whatever. They do what they want. And they don't feel that that those people are, you know, completely 100% like them so they can do what they want, which is very sad. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a it's it's really it's really crazy. I think one of the other things just to come back to this, the first thing that was said is these 30,000 skulls different from humans in a cave in the Mediterranean island of Malta could be referring to a couple of things. I mean, the Greeks used to talk about troglodytes. Right? These like hermits, these cave hermits, but they were smaller in stature, I believe, than the regular Greeks. And what's strange is around the hypogeum, you know, if you've got these large spaces in the hypogeum, but then you've got these areas that have these like four and a half foot tunnels that even modern humans, they would have to duck to, to ha get through those tunnels. And there are these little windows in the tunnels for these beings, whatever we're walking through there to be watched from the other side. Like we're talking about really creepy tunnels down there in the hypogeum. How did she? And so how did she know? I mean, how how did like this is a very strange thing to say if it's not an honest. This is what happened and this is what was said to me type of story. Yeah, very strange. I mean, it's really not something that you want to say when you're running for Congress. <laughs> well, this was years before. I mean, she I would say if I was running for Congress, man. <laughs> That's exactly what you'd say. <laughs> yeah, sick. now see this see this little um, tunnel here. This is a tunnel you'd have to duck in. You see these little windows on the side where you can look through. And then you've got these little openings where people can be, I guess, escorted through and, and walked through. And who knows what those signs mean in, uh, above on those tunnels, you know? I mean, and then, you know, this whole area is just being used for these bizarre rituals, you know, these strange, the strange oracle room where, you know, the deeper your voice, the, the more it penetrates into your body. It's very strange. All right. So this is the part of the episode where we get to uh, the exciting stuff. What is the remote viewing data that you have around the skulls, the elongated skulls? What's going on specifically in here? And was right. anything that Miss Rodriguez Aguilera, anything that she said, is any of it true? Like, what's going on? Well, it's okay. So it's like when we remote view, remote viewers they don't they don't get numbers. Like remote viewers wouldn't wouldn't get like thirty thousand or two hundred or two skulls, right? 
um, they would get piles. They would describe because remote viewers describe things as opposed to right. name. It's 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 a it's sort of more of a right brain type function than a left brain categorization, high level concept function when you're remote viewing. And so so yes, we we get massive amounts of of skeletons down there, piles you know described or piles and piles of skeletons. Um, like I said earlier, you know the big the the big reason why they were down there was because of uh, them getting things, beings, humans uh, getting eaten and, and also getting eaten down there, getting eaten up top, whatever. Um, the hypogeum is a very interesting structure, that hypogeum. I mean, there are multiple ones, but this one is very interesting because of the Oracle room, right? And the whole sound frequency that we were talking about earlier. So when you get into what this is, why, who constructed it and what it was all about. It refers back to these large giant type beings that, that have larger heads, right? So likely the elongated skulls. And my guess also is that we have Neanderthal mixed in there as well, right? Because this is, this is built a very, very long time ago. This is not like something built, uh, in the Neolithic times or built by Neanderthal people, right? This like is way, something way, before. way earlier, right? And, and the elongated skulls, those beings were large, tall. We could call them Nephilim. Those beings are the ones responsible for it. So when we initially looked at um, things that were related to the Nephilim, you know, in remote viewing, we've, we've looked at this before in the past. What we had were these, these beings that came to planet Earth and they split off into contingents. Some of them were positive, more positive. Some of them were very negative. And between these beings that came here, they fought each other. Like these beings would fight each other once they came here because different groups had different ideas. And we saw in our data that a lot of them went underground. Like they, they, they went underground. It's like it goes into this inner earth type of thing, right? And, and this specifically happened on Malta. So this was like a construction where they were beginning. They, they very well could have landed in this area because we get them as being aliens you know, I think the Bible talks of them as fallen angels. So we get this as a mix of these different types of aliens. Darker ones basically seeded themselves in the ground. The hypogeum and the sound frequencies affect humans, right? You're talking about 110, 111 hertz. It's like the God frequency. Humans can go down there. They can be part of that resonance frequency that, that can help to cause an altered state. But if you've got an elongated skull, which these guys had, and you are interested in leaving your body very quickly or communicating across the galaxy, putting yourself into a telepathic state, and you have a different brain structure, it's going to create a different type of resonance within you. So these guys are the ones who built it. It wasn't like ancient a human, ancient man that built this. It was them. So it's not going to affect humans exactly the same way that it's going to affect them right? Those guys built this so that they could communicate better with others out in the 
universe. It's like the pyramid, the idea of the pyramid being a, a partially a communication device, a telepathic communication device to other realms in the galaxy. Same thing with the hypogeum and their brain structure. So they had a different brain than ours and it would resonate differently and uh, more of a profound effect for them. So that's why they constructed this. And that's what that specifically was for. So at the beginning, like let's say when it was first constructed, this is the purpose was this like this communication device and actual like what's crazy is they call it the Oracle room. Right, exactly. Yeah. They call it the Oracle room and it was in real life. Like it truly, truly was. But for them, for right. them. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can get an effect from it, but the effect is a little bit harder one than it is for them. Yeah. Well, and there was that quote from a previous episode that we talked about where the gentleman that was there in the National Geographic article was talking about how um, it almost penetrated into your bones, the sound when you would when you would speak. So the humans would definitely feel something very strange, right. but it was only at low frequency, not at high frequency. For instance, right. Right. he went to sing um, a song at a high pitch falsetto didn't reach him from anywhere else in the in the hypogeum but any low tones were reaching him and he could feel it penetrating into his body right which is right i mean we're talking about very strange technology like that is some very strange knowledge in to be able to build an auditorium that that does something like that right 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 exactly so this was like this was one of the main purposes of this place as well as just digging deeper into the earth in general. Um, I mean, this, this is what they did. These guys, these guys were, were fighting each other on the surface quite frequently, you know, going back to that a little bit, if you, right. if you know, of like Adam's calendar that Michael Tellinger, uh, is investigating in, um, South Africa when, when he, so he, I told, I've talked about this before. He had a rock like this big, it looked like a rock and he claimed that it was uh, a fossil from a, a giant's uh, finger, right? So he asked if we'd remote view, you know, how that was formed. And we got, we got a big battle between giant subjects around Adam's calendar right in that area. And that was actually a toe. Like that's what our data said. It could be a finger or toe, but we got a toe as opposed to a finger. It was huge, right? And so, so that was actually part of this type of contingent that came to earth here a long time ago and they settled in different places and then they would just fight with each other. So that Malta, the Malta area is interesting because that was like the more of the darker set of ones that went in there. And then later on, what you've got going on there is this sort of um, uh, death cults, you'd call them, right? That, that came in because look, if you are interested in conjuring for power, which a lot of, you know, secret societies and whatnot are, where would you go? You'd go to the, you'd go to the ca cave full of bones because it opens portals to darker uh, astral realms where you can, you know, conjure and bring things to help you gain power. This is why you have Knights of Malta, Templars, et cetera, et cetera, very, also very interested in dislocations. It's also why you have governments, uh, government leaders having meetings there you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Not to mention that the Oracle, like you're talking about death cults 
you know, the bones are one part, but then the Oracle rooms, I would like would spelling and the Oracle room do like, I mean, who knows what that would do? I don't even know. Right. Who knows? Right. Man, our world is so if this is true, like our world is so different than anyone. Like here we are watching politics every day, the most mundane thing. And this is like this is really the history. The thing is, is that like I was thinking about this earlier, it's like, okay, we 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 look at our LCD screens to get information about things. Is it really has anything really truly happening? Like if you closed your LCD screen, shut it off, what would your world be looking at the trees? enjoyable days a lot calmer getting getting stung by yellow jackets you know exactly right battling yellow jackets but it's like it's like we live in a place where we get incensed about something that may or may not be happening on the other side of the world is it happening or not is sometimes a question in my is 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 there really a dead internet you know, the whole dead internet theory, right? You know, it's like, what is it? The, the dead internet theory, it, it, it's like AI has taken over the internet and things are quickly crafted by AI based off of our likes, off of our search intentions in order to serve us what it is that we want, whether it's true or not true. Oh, so right? this is matrix. So, this is matrix stuff. And I often, you know, not that I believe that that is truly happening, but it just raises an interesting thought, um, a thought problem in my head where, where we live in a world where we believe something is truly happening based off of things coming through an LCD screen. And we, we stop actually living, right? We stop actually living day to day in an enjoyable manner because we become very incensed about something somewhere else that may or may not truly be happening because all we're doing is seeing it through an LCD screen, right? It just brings an interesting thought problem for me. And so if you shut all this off and you lived your daily life, what would it be like? What would it be like watching the clouds? enjoying trees, the wind, what would it be like? It would be different. I will tell you that you wouldn't even know of things happening or not happening that actually don't really affect you in this moment. So I don't know how do we get on that. Um, I, well, I think we were, I think we were talking about how interesting our history is and yeah. everyone's so distracted by politics and things, you know? And, well, that's and then, the thing. Like, and then you started talking about the Shire, basically. The Shire, exactly. Hobbits have been living and farming in the four farthings of the Shire for many hundreds of years, quite content to ignore and be ignored by the world of the big folk. It's like we get a book. We are given books in school. This is what happened. This is the way it is. We don't know. We absolutely don't know if things even happened or didn't happen, right? right? And so this is why remote viewing actually is so freaking important. Did this stuff happen? Is this happening or not? This is why it's so important because everything is just put up and cogitated on, on information sources. And we don't know what's behind the presentation of the information. 
or who. Right. Yeah. So this is why remote viewing is very important. Important for everybody to learn. Yeah. Exercise I mean, that part of yourself. Yeah, it would open. Yeah, and it would open up you up to new things. That's so much less mundane than what we're being told every day by the same right. sources over and over again. You know. Right. Well, this has been a great episode. I uh, hope you all at home enjoyed all of this and the remote viewing data at the end. Um, in the next episode, we are going to be going full steam ahead right into the strange history of the Hal Safliani hypogeum, the missing children, and more importantly, the claims by uh, Lois Jessup, which are among the most interesting that I have ever encountered. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hold on to your hats. Stay with us for the next episode. And uh, John, thanks so much for being with us. And, and those of you at home, we hope you guys thought that this episode was as out of this world as we did. We'll see you next time. <laughs>